0: Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Starting out, um, the original due date of our daughter um, was actually August 18th. She ended up being born on July 30th. So three weeks early. She was not considered premature because it was just three weeks um, and it was actually by induction. Um, She had what was called uh, a marginal cord insertion. So the umbilical cord had um, grown to the end of the placenta. Uh, They explained it to us instead of right in the center. Um, So basically there was a risk of uh, less nutrients getting to the baby. She was small in size. Uh, She was, um, basically when she was born, she was five pounds, uh, yeah, five pounds, three ounces. Um, So she was a tiny little baby. Um, But they decided, uh, instead of letting her grow in the womb to take her out, deliver her by induction, uh, scheduled so that uh, she could grow outside the womb um, if there was a problem with her getting nutrients within the womb. So uh, we had that uh, scheduled. Uh, It was scheduled for the 28th of July, and when we called the hospital uh, to see if they wanted us to come at that time that morning, i had taken off at work and everything, ready to go, uh, the direct quote from the triage nurse was basically "There's no room in the inn <laughs> at that time. They were actually too full. So because it was just a scheduled induction, um, they were like, all right, well, just uh, call us back in the morning or whatever later, and uh, we'll, we'll see if we have some room. So um, we were like, okay. We'll do that, um, so we got a good night's sleep, uh, got up the next day, called them. Um, I think we had a little bit of trouble uh getting a hold of somebody at that point too, and that said though the the staff was awesome at new hanover regional medical center it was it was great um the nurses were awesome, so I want to put that plug in there too, because they did take good care of us <laughs> um, when we did get there, so they took us in uh, the twenty ninth and um got all checked in, uh, got my wife uh, in there. She was all settled and everything. And uh, I went out to go get uh, some lunch at a local place there on 17th Street, And uh, got my wife's blessing to do that until I realized you could actually call and get food brought to the room for free. (laughs) Uh, I later realized that, and then I just stayed the whole time. Um, But while I was out there, I was sitting outside due to COVID 19 on my phone, uh, looking at the, uh, you know, just my email or whatever. And um, so I happened to uh, pull up, and actually, Jim, if you want to, you could pull up whatever photo. You could pull up the baby first or that other photo. So, on my cell phone, um, I was reading an article um, written in Jewish perspective about a day called the 9th of Av. And historically, um, some of you may know, is uh, a day where great tragedy had happened to Israel um, uh, over the centuries. And, uh, in particular, or most notably, both of the temples were destroyed on that same day. Uh, Both Solomon's temple. Uh, Yeah, you could could split it up. So Jim's gonna enlarge it, so we can actually see some of what's written there. Um, So, but while I was reading this article, um, I realized that the ninth of Av was the next day this year, July 30th. So the ninth of Av is basically, Av is a month in the Hebrew calendar, the ninth day of the month of Av. Um, and so, because the Hebrew calendar works uh, on a lunar cycle um, versus the solar cycle, um, which we use the Gregorian calendar, which is based on you know the sun re- or the you know Earth revolving around the sun um, and all that. So, the lunar calendar uh, gets out of step with the solar calendar because it's just slightly different. Um, So the 9th of Av falls on a different day, usually in August or July uh, every year. So in this particular uh, time, uh, it happened to be July 30th, and I was reading this July 29th, and it was an article about the the 9th of Av. So while I was reading that, about the destruction of the temples, um, that uh, verse of the day notification, because I have the Bible app on my phone, um, gives me the verse of the day, just pops up at some point uh, every day. Um, it popped up while I was reading that article uh, with 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So I thought that was uh, interesting. You know, I took a, a screenshot, so that was that first photo. It was this, literally the screenshot of my phone of that article with the verse of the day right there in front of it as it popped up. So I was like, all right, Lord, what are you saying about all these things? Um, Because my first impression was when I realized that the ninth of Av was tomorrow or the next day. um, I was like, oh, Lord, you know, do I have to get ready for a battle here? Is this the, you know, if all these tragic things happened historically in Israel on that day, you know, what catastrophe is going to happen?" Like, so the enemy was trying to come in, but I, I had the peace of God. The Lord was, I knew the Lord was showing me something it wasn't just, it wasn't fear, it was just like, okay, there's a lesson here. <laughs> Not only is this my first child and everything is new and, you know, trying to get my wife through labor, don't know how everything's going to go and all that, but still trusting the Lord. Um, you know, this comes up and it's like, oh man, I wonder if my child is going to be born tomorrow on this tragic day in history. Um, so I was like, all right, well, we'll see what happens. Um, this is interesting. So meanwhile, um, I was reading through the book of Jeremiah just in my devotions, slowly, um, uh, and uh, basically, you know, the book of Jeremiah, it basically chronicles um, the destruction of the first temple, which was Solomon's temple in 586 BC. Um, So there was, you know, it's a a heavy book, but it's a a rich book. There's some awesome stuff in there about the new covenant, um, about the restoration of the Jewish people, um, and it's, it's really an awesome book, but it's, it, I found it interesting that, again, it was still along the same theme. It was this, this day of judgment. It was um, the bringing back of the captives of Israel, um, uh, and so I just found that all interesting. So turned out, um, so I went back to the hospital. Um, uh, Megan was still doing good. Um, uh, We did have a little hiccup where the baby's heart rate dropped and the nurses had to rush in and like spin Megan over. and uh, get, her, get the baby's heart rate to come back up. Otherwise, they were going to do an emergency C-section right there. <laughs> so when that happened, I had to brace myself because my heart was beating fast and I felt like I could pass out. Um, but they handled that uh, very well. It was sort of a, okay, we thank you, God. You're handling all this stuff. This is a new experience. You're walking us through it. It's all going to be okay. And then, um, so next day... Um, uh, Emma was born <laughs> on July 30th, the 9th of Av, at 8:16 p.m., and everything went great. She was it was my wife did awesome. I have a new profound respect for her <laughs> through labor. Uh, she's an awesome woman, um, and and the baby was completely healthy. Uh, she was she was uh, actually literally one of the nurses, the nurse that takes the baby over to the little incubator thing. Um, there she is, two months old, that's what she looks like now, she's all grown up big and chubby, um, but the the nurse literally said, um, that she's perfect, she's like, she, she, she's perfect, so, praise the Lord, and, um, so that was a, thank you, Lord, you've got it all under control, (laughs) and, uh, so the, still the thing about the, the, you know, the whole ninth of av thing, does that mean something, does it not mean something, um, well, turned out um, uh, Mary Esther had also given us a prophetic word about Emma, about her name, the meaning of her name, and the, the prophetic significance behind that. And um, as a side note too, um, I just want to say thank you to everybody who did just pour into us while um, you know, while Megan was or well while making was pregnant, and with a new baby, just everybody who did anything for us at all, brought us food, gifts, we received a whole bunch of stuff. Um, we, I don't think we have bought a single diaper yet, and I've learned that that's really saying something, because um, you go through a lot of them. Um, so, we, we got a whole bunch of stuff, and it was just really nice, just from people here, you know, of course, family, um, people outside the church, um, ministries, just decided to bless us with a, with a shower, like a drive-by shower and all this kind of stuff. And it was just awesome. Um, so the Lord really provided for us and, um, and blessed us in that way. And it was, I just want to say thank you to everybody. I never received a prophetic word for a child before. Of course, never had a child before, but this is also <laughs> a great blessing. Um, so, um, yes. So thank you. Thank you. Um, but, um, so in, uh, in the prophecy that Mary Esther gave, it, uh, it starts with the meaning of the name Emma, uh, which is, is from a, a German origin, uh, meaning whole or entire. And, um, and she put here, um, meaning whole or entire, shalom, wholeness, completeness, peace. And, um, one of the reasons why I had that song play too, uh, Peace Be Still, is, I mean, we, we need the Lord's peace in these days no matter what happens. And I mean, being in the last days, we know we're in the last days. The scripture says we're in the last days, and this is scripture, and we're 2,000 years later, so we know that we're definitely in the last days now, <laughs> the last of the last days. Um, you know, we know that there's you know, there's a distress of nations, there's everything that's going on in, uh, in Matthew chapters 24, 25, all those things um, that Jesus spoke of would happen, the wars, rumors of wars, everything happening with the state of Israel. Um, I mean, just. I mean, there's, there's significance to this, too. We're going to get to this, um, just the fact that, um, you know, the election is now, um, uh, you know, we were blessed with these books to read about uh, from Josh Reinstein with uh, Titus Trump and the Triumph of Israel. He chronicles the history of the Jewish people in Israel um, and basically all the way up to today. Um, and it's a good refresher, even if you know a lot about this, it's just an awesome, like, clear refresher of, what God is doing to restore Israel to their land and the fulfillment of the biblical prophecy and what that sets us up for in these days. Um, so I haven't finished reading this yet. I'm not equipped to teach on that. Pastor Tom would do a much better job with that. Um, but it's an awesome book. I do recommend it. I haven't finished it all. It is written um, in, in sort of a neutral perspective. So, you know, we, we can bring the richness of the new covenant understanding into it as well, and we're going to go into that a little bit as well. Um, so we need God's peace, and we need, you know, his, to trust him uh, in the midst of whatever's going to happen, uh, whether it's personal, whether it comes upon us nationally or globally, COVID-19. Um, we need his peace, and he's the only one who can give us peace, true peace. So the rest of the prophecy from Mary Esther continues. And she speaks about the heart because um, peace has to do with the heart ultimately. It's, it's, it comes from within. It's not outward, it's inward. The peace of God is. It says a shalom heart refers to an undivided attitude of wholeheartedness as in Second Kings twenty thirty one. That says, remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. So the understanding there being I'm not going to have the peace of God if I don't have a heart fully God's or an undivided heart or an attitude of undivided wholeheartedness toward the Lord and, and His will. So that, that shalom heart requires a surrender. It requires me to purge myself of any idols. Um, and, you know, considering Israel and Judah back in the time of the destruction of really, well, the first temple in Jeremiah's day and the second temple in 70 AD after uh, Jesus uh, performed his earthly ministry and rose and ascended to the right hand of the Father. After, you know, those times, you know, there was basically there was a lot of idolatry. I mean, there was for the first for the first temple being destroyed, there was such um, idolatry in the city, even in the temple, um, that the kings before, um, that that came before Zedekiah, who was the king that basically had the, uh, where the temple was actually destroyed, because the Babylonians had come in a few other times. They had basically conquered Israel and Judah and then uh, basically installed some vassal kings Um, like Jehoiakim and some of the others, Um, and they went their way to conquer the rest of the world, and then um, they had rebelled. They came back, squashed the rebellion, um, but did not destroy the temple, and then Nebuchadnezzar uh, uh, put uh, uh, King Zedekiah in place, and then he rebelled later when he thought Egypt was going to get the upper hand on Babylon, and that didn't happen, and then the Babylonians wanted to make an example of uh, of Judah and, uh, and completely wipe out everything. Um, of course, that all being in line with what Jeremiah was prophesying to them the whole time from the Lord that these things were going to come upon them, um, even though the people were, you know, idolatrous, they didn't want to believe it, they didn't want to believe everything was going to get destroyed. Um, still, it came upon just as the Lord has spoken. And it was because of their idolatry. They had walked away from the Lord. They had... Um, they had turned their backs on him, and um, and when you read the extent of just the severity of the judgment, it is very heavy and very. I mean, you you try to imagine kind of like what what would have been like to to be there and to experience that. It's just unimaginable um, to be in a siege for it was I think almost two years or so, um, and then you know, only to be conquered, and then everything be, you know, burned, or everybody is either taken captive, or killed, or or, or dying from famine, or uh, sickness inside the city, because they can't get out, um, and this all because of the stubbornness, and, and, um, and of course, still in those, the prophecies that, um, that Jeremiah spoke, he spoke of the judgment, but at the same time, he also spoke right in the middle of all of it, the faithfulness of God, the restoration of the people back to the land. He even told them how long they were gonna be in captivity for that time, 70 years. And um, so the hand of the Lord was there to restore them. So the shalom heart is, is a heart that is fully God's. It allows the peace of God to come. If, if I'm lacking peace, I have to examine my heart and go, okay, Lord, why am I not at peace? Do I just need to trust you? Is there something, is there an issue that you're trying to deal with inside of me? She continued to say here um, about that shalom heart, a goodness of life that is not touched by what happens on the outside. This kind of peace enables one to hush a cry, rejoice in the pain of trial, Sing in the middle of a suffering world. This peace isn't ruled by circumstance, but instead affects and even overrules them. I should be praying for you, love Mary Esther. So, the peace of God, I mean, if we think about, you know, as New Testament believers in Jesus Christ, what God has afforded us, we have Him to draw on. We have that. Peace that passes understanding. Let's read a few uh, verses of Scripture. John 14 15. John 14:15 says, "If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper." that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So right there off the bat, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. He starts with that and then prays about the Holy Spirit, whom he calls the helper, and we know the Greek word is paraclete. Um, and in the King James um, Version I have this is the New King James that I was reading, in the King James it it says um, Comforter for the Holy Spirit instead of Helper, which is interesting because it turns out that the month of Av the Av literally means Father. Um, I had first thought that the Hebrew months were just in numerical, um, or or they were named numerically, but they're actually They actually mean different things, Um, but the month of Av in particular means father. And they often will, um, the Jewish people in their tradition will often add the word menachem um, to it, uh, which actually means comforter. So they actually say father comforter um, in referring to the month of Av because they know such tragedy has happened to them historically in that month. so they even believe, and you know, we see the fulfillment of it in Jesus Christ uh, and through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our hearts that we have. We have the, the comforter of the Holy Spirit given to us by the Father through Jesus, and we have the peace of God through that, even in the midst of whatever trial it may be, whatever God would allow, whatever could happen to us in this life, we have him as our father and we have his peace by the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna read, I'm gonna go back to verse 16 again. So if you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 16, and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper, comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Thank you, Lord, for that word. I'm going to skip over to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance All things that I said to you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. So, I love, this is one of my favorite portions of Scripture. (laughs) I love to read this because I love the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I love to uh, receive that life-giving peace, that life-giving comfort. And, uh, is what I need <laughs> it's what I need on days like today yeah. and I was receiving it and, um, and I was praying it for my sister-in-law and for my brother and, um, so we have the comforter we have the promise of the Holy Spirit um, even in the midst of whatever trial, whatever storm um, and just the thing that we have to do is to keep our temple clean We've got to keep our heart just before the lord and and God is so faithful, and i you know I'm preaching to myself, of course, first, in all these things, because it's like whenever i I know I need something from the Lord, and i- you can only come to the Lord one way, and that's surrender it's letting it all out and backtracking and going okay yeah when I did that back there yeah that was wrong <laughs> you know you got to you got to come to the lord with open hands with everything laid bare and you know and let him be the only one in the temple let him be in no other pursuit um, or or thing that would that would be something he wouldn't want there so Another thing that um, the Lord showed us, um, we ended up staying in the hospital after delivery in room 3330. Um, So that to me um, spoke of Jeremiah 333, you know, which is call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you do not know. So uh, I think it was a week or two ago, Pastor Tom shared that experience he had where uh, the lord woke him up at 3 33 a.m and like wide awake and he looked at the clock and it was 3:33, 33 and and he was like all right wow call it to me now i'll answer you and so he sought the lord and then and then uh, he woke up again at 555 and he shared that you know that it had to do with um, basically the Lord giving us that understanding we need, um, and, and giving us the grace, uh, for the season and everything, so that was a confirmation to me, and while I was listening live stream in the living room, when he said, I got woken up at 3.33, I was like, yes, Lord, that's confirmation, because, um, you know, I was praying about all these things, um, and Jeremiah 3.33, 3, um, is a, is another verse that the Lord's used to encourage me, and, um, uh, and I had a time, too, when the Lord woke me up at 3.33 and did the exact same thing. It doesn't happen all the time. I don't get words like this all the time. Um, just as a disclaimer, <laughs> um, the Lord, you know, it, it, but when it comes, it's so awesome and you treasure it. Um, and I do pray for more, and I don't speak that negatively. Thank you, Lord, for more. <laughs> um, so Jeremiah 33.3, three, call to me and I'll answer you and show you a great many things that you do not know. So, and that had to do with Jeremiah was in the city, the, the city was being sieged by the Babylonian army. they couldn't get in or out. He was there in the court of the prison. It says he was there in prison, basically, um, and the Lord spoke his word to him. And in chapter 33, it has to do with uh, basically the restoration of the Jews back to the land. It had to do with God fulfilling his promises, God not. Uh, forsaking them, even though everything was going to be laid waste, they are going to go into exile, Um, that the Lord was going to come through. And it says in uh, chapter 33, verse 11, actually, let's start at 10. 33.10 of Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord, Again there shall be heard in this place of which you say, It is desolate, without man, and without beast. In the cities of Judah... In the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate, without man and without inhabitant and without beast, the voice of joy will be heard, and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever. And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first, says the Lord. And then uh, coming down, he, um, there is a uh, messianic blessing or prophecy that comes forth. And verse 14, uh, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing <clears throat> which, which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute <clears throat> judgment and righteousness in the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called, the Lord, our righteousness. And so he's prophesying, obviously, of the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He's prophesying um, that not only will you be restored to the land um, in 70 years, but there will be an ultimate fulfillment that will come uh, Scholars believe in the millennial reign of Christ um, where Christ will reign on David's throne. The branch of righteousness, the branch of David, um, will reign and will rule from Jerusalem uh, for that, uh, that thousand year period. And all those prophecies having to do with the Jewish people in Israel will be fulfilled in that way. Um, scholars believe that the Ezekiel, Ezekiel's temple that he prophesied of, Will be um, will be there, and animal sacrifice will be will be done there as a testament to um, uh, Christ's sacrifice, um, and those things will be will be done for a time again. Um, so God keeps His promises, and um, it's interesting too that He says He calls the city the Lord our righteousness, um, when we know the Lord's name is Yahweh Sid Kenu, which is the Lord is our righteousness. And what he is doing is he's playing on what was previously prophesied, or oh, God is playing on what he previously told Jeremiah in thirty-one, chapter 31, um, which also talks about the new covenant. And where is it? Blah, 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 where he's described as the Lord all righteousness. Um, I'll have to find that some other time. So, the Lord, is, the Lord is our righteousness. He is the one who forgives us. He is the one who cleanses us. He is the one who purges us of any idolatry. He is the one who brings us near so he can fill us with himself, so he can fill us with his, his peace, um, so he can make us successful. So, um, you know, he's the one who has restored the relationship that we had lost due to our sin uh, with him. Um, So I want to go to the New Testament real fast and um, take a look at the new covenant promises that we do have in Jesus and kind of see how all this ties in. Um, So in Hebrews 8... Uh, keep a finger in Hebrews 8, and I, wanna, I do want to flip over to Romans, because I, I do want to touch on a little bit of Romans, and I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what Daniel and Alicia bring out of this, because chapters 9 through 11 of Romans have to do with Israel and the Jewish people and Christ. So yeah, keep a finger in Hebrews 8, and then flip over to Romans, because we'll go to Hebrews 8 in a second. But before we get to that, that's like really meaty. I want to talk a little bit about Israel and their role and what we're seeing today um, because it is amazing. So in chapter 11 of Romans, verse 1, says, I say then, chapter 11 of Romans, verse 1, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise work is no longer work. So he's saying to them in this section of scripture, and we're kind of just jumping in the middle, Um, but he's answering the question because salvation came to the world, but it came through the Jewish people. It came to the Jews first and also to the Gentiles. And so even the early church, being comprised of just about all Jewish believers, had to learn that the salvation that came through Messiah was also for the rest of the world. And then by this time, Paul is writing to them um, in Rome, and he's saying, I mean, he's speaking to Jew and Gentile believers, but you know, he's he's seeing as concerning Israel, the majority of them did not embrace Messiah. They did not br- embrace the Messiah nationally, and and, and fully uh, religiously. But there was a remnant according to grace. God is saving them, but there's something that's happening here because those who have hardened their hearts may have hardened their hearts, and that was their choice. But even that God is using to bring more Gentiles into the kingdom. And so an interesting thing is explained where he's saying, um, you, know, you know, Jews essentially were ungrafted or taken away. Branches were broken off, he says, in, uh, later in chapter 11, so that the Gentile branches, the uncultivated olive branches, which would be us, would be grafted in. And so that happened, but how much more is he able to also graft in again those natural branches that were broken off? And um, there's the verse where he says, how much more will their fullness bring? Um, Which is 11.11. And so in verse 11 of chapter 11, Romans, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not, but through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? So when the Jews start to come in more and more, and I think um, more, more Jews are being saved now, there's actually a growing number of Messianic Jews or Jews who have come to accept Jesus as their Messiah than than there ever has been. That's happening now. We're seeing them, of course, return to the land of Israel in 1948, um, regaining Jerusalem as the capital in 1967. Um, And Josh Reinstein goes through that in this book. Um, They've been having tremendous growth in such a short time. Um, They've had, you know, multiple wars since um, they declared their independence in 1948. Um, Immediately after they did, pretty much everybody around them Decided to attack them, uh, and they were able to come through that, <laughs> and miraculously, and then uh, again in you know all through all their wars, there's just miraculous stories of, of how God um, preserved them, and um, their contribution also to 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 science, to agriculture, um, basically all those scriptures uh, throughout the prophets that talk about like in Zechariah and about the. Um, uh, Basically, the desert's blooming is happening in Israel. Um, so we're seeing that in our day, and and it's an amazing thing to think, okay, how much more will their fullness bring? You know, God, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're causing Jewish guys to create, you know, this thing called the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus, which is what Josh Reinstein is uh, ahead of, from what I understand, to basically invite Christians to support Israel. Um, I mean, that's an amazing thing. Like, you think of the divide, um, you know, the, the hurt that came from the church, or at least not the true church, but the political church through the centuries, through things like the Crusades and the Inquisition and all that, that um, that uh, basically brutally um, murdered Jews and everything, you have those deep wounds um, in the Jewish people. And yet now you see healing, you see um, basically Jews understanding that Christians are their friend and that we're here to help them. Um, although we do have to be careful about replacement theology and different things that are going through um, some of the mainline denominations where they actually have divested from Israel. Um, so there's still, you know, the enemy's still at work there. Um, but we know, according to the word, which is it's just laid out right here so clear and plain for us, that, you know, some of those branches were broken off, and we were able to be grafted into the, the olive tree because of that. We got to be saved as a result of everything that has come forth with the Jewish people. Jesus is Jewish, and now the Lord is, the Lord is uh, stirring them to envy to bring them back so they can see what we have and, in Jesus and be saved as well. Um, and he goes on to, to say that in Romans, and I'm looking forward to their study um, in a few weeks when we get to that part. Um, so, you know, but how much more their fullness. When this happens, when, when, when the Jewish people... Uh, are revived by God. Um, and I believe it's going to be part of the greatest revival ever before the coming of the Lord. And, um, and you know, at the same time, we're going to have to hold on to our, our bootstraps because it's going to be a time of wars and rumors of war, all those things that also coincide with the end times. And we're going to need that peace of God. We're going to need, um, you know, even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of Crazy stuff happening, COVID nineteen. I mean, you know, all, all the end time events that are going to take place. I believe the Lord was just saying he was just he was just saying, receive my peace. You know, do what you have to do to cleanse the heart, um, and and keep it cleansed. Uh, in in First John, uh, the last thing he says to the believers in First John is, little children keep yourselves from idols, which is kind of is interesting because it always struck me like, you know, he wrote all those things, those five chapters in the book of 1 John, and then the last thing he said, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Um, but that's what God has called us to do, to keep ourselves from, from idols, to receive that peace, to have that strength of God that we need to endure whatever and to, um, and to do so, uh, you know, not just in, in surviving, but in thriving in riding the wave of the move of God as he sweeps through and, and um, reaps the end-time harvest through us as church. Um, so there's a calling there. Um, uh, as a side note, too, to further emphasize that point, um, in Jeremiah chapter 45, um, Baruch, the scribe, as he's called, received a personal word from the Lord through Jeremiah about his own life. And I thought that was interesting because in the midst of um, Jeremiah prophesying and recording his own prophecies, he had Baruch, his friend, help him at some point or at a few different points to um, record those prophecies. He even presented it to, I think it was King Jehoiakim, and he literally was basically like cutting it with a knife and burning it as he was reading the prophecy. And then that's when the Lord said, that's it, enough of you. Your descendants are not going to inherit the throne of David. Um, so, uh, but, but basically Baruch was there helping Jeremiah in his ministry, and he got a personal word about his own life. And it basically was um, that, you know, Baruch, <laughs> you need to understand the time in which you're living, and that you're not going to have this perfect life in the midst of the siege of Jerusalem by an invading army. You're not going to have all the, you know, the, the comfortable life you want to have um, when God's purposes are unfolding. And I thought that was interesting because it challenged me um, to say, okay, you know, realistically how does this apply to me, God? Um, you know, am I... Am I holding on so dearly to a life I think I'm supposed to have that I'm missing maybe, first of all, what you're doing in the earth? Back then it was, I mean, God was doing some crazy stuff. You know, he had to do it um, to get the people back on track. Um, But in chapter 45 of Jeremiah, I'll just go ahead and read it. The word that Jeremiah the prophet spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at the instruction of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch, you said, Woe is me now, for the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, what I have built I will break down, and what I have planted I will pluck up. That is, this whole land." And do, not, and do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them. For behold, I will bring adversity on all flesh, says the Lord. But I will give your life to you as a prize in all places, wherever you go. So there's some sobering truth there for sure. Um, you know, but it's an encouragement because he says, I will give your life to you as a prize in all places, wherever you go. I mean, that was probably about, I mean, that was the biggest thing you could have at this point, with everybody being dr- drugged to exile or dying from famine or disease or war. It was, you know, especially being tied to Jeremiah, who was undergoing such persecution because of the word he was giving. Um, the Lord said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna preserve your life," and, you know, you ultimately when we're when we're doing what God wants us to do, we're gonna get our reward we're gonna get what we're supposed to have anyway. And just it it just relieves it relieves me when the Lord helps me to just, okay Lord, I'll release it to you again. I really I released it to you before, but now you're challenging me again to release it again. And so he has us do that. He has me do that often. You know, to come back to that place where I'm saying okay You know, okay, I have a daughter now, but she's really not mine, I'm the steward of her, but I release her to you. Her care is ultimately in your hands. You know, all these things, you know, whatever, house, car, job, uh, education, whatever path you have for me, help me to fulfill that and find joy in that, in doing that in these last times, in these last days, and not care about the American dream of what I think I need, what I think I want, whatever. But focusing on the Lord and his call, and He will give me what I need, which is his life, his life in Jesus. so everything that can be shaken will be shaken, <laughs> and um, if we see it in our day, the Lord give us the grace but um, but I want this to be an encouraging word I want it because I've, I've felt that from the Lord it's an encouraging word we have we have His peace, we have his inheritance, we have the Lord of the universe, and that's what we need to hold on to in, no matter what happens. And the Lord will see us through it all. And we will do great and mighty things. We will do great and mighty things. So we can go to Hebrews now, Hebrews 8, all right? Hebrews 8. Um, and let's just focus on Jesus. So Hebrews 8 verse 1, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the, thi- of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, and he's quoting, um, well, let me continue. He's gonna quote uh, Jeremiah uh, 31 in a little bit about the new covenant? For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So that's the Jeremiah 31 New Covenant promise. And so we have that high priest seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. We have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have all these blessings of the New Covenant. We don't need a temple built by man's hands. Um... If we were to read more of that article, um, it's basically an article, the, the one that I was, was reading when that verse of the day popped up, um, it's basically an article just lamenting the fact that there is no temple and how a temple for the Jews is so significant because it means the presence of God is with them. Because um, historically, whenever you know, there was no temple or whatever, it was, you know, it was a time of judgment um, and still having no temple to this day, um, the article was saying that they, they um, some of them believe that, that animal sacrifice is just a thing of the past. It'll never happen again. You know, there's different schools of thought within Judaism. Um, but the truth of it is, when the curtain in the temple was torn in two, when Christ completed the work of the cross and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and the earthquake happened, and all those things happened. That fulfillment of the um, of the old covenant came. The new covenant was initiated, and we are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. God has taken up residence in those who believe in Jesus, having been purified, having their temples purified by the blood of Christ. Um. And so, we have all those new covenant blessings, and. You know, and and your heart goes out to those who are lost, uh, whether they are Jew or non-Jew. Um, but to the Jews, you know, even Paul said there in those chapters in Romans, you know, I wish I myself were cut off for the sake of my countrymen, the the, the children of Israel. Um, and I don't know if I could have the heart to say, well, I would rather be damned so all these people could be saved. I don't know if I can say that like Paul said, um, but he said that, and he, um, he, you know, his heart was grieving that they had not embraced the Messiah. Um, but still, the Lord, uh, the Lord is faithful to deal with humankind as much as he can, having given us free will to try to save as many as possible. He, he, he had to bring judgment. He has to bring hardship. I mean, the whole, the whole aspect of the great tribulation and all that really is to shake what can be shaken so souls can come into the kingdom. I mean, he's just trying to get a hold of people's hearts to turn to turn us. But he's loved us perfectly enough to create us with that autonomy and that free will where it's not—he leaves it up to us to decide. Um, to love him back or not, so he's given us that that free will, and and he won't he won't violate that because to violate that would be to not love us perfectly, to not give us free reign. Um, but we get the, the the ability to choose him or not choose him, and so uh, even in the judgments, he he doesn't bring judgment to smite people just for the sake of smiting them. He shakes things so that. Only the unshakable may remain. So we are pointed from the physical to the supernatural, from these things that we want or desire or whatever to Him Himself, to the true treasure, um, which is in Him alone. So God has a purpose in all these things, in all these shakings. He is forever living to make intercession, He is our Savior. Um, I'm glad to be saved. <laughs> I'm glad to be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so it's important just to, I want to just make sure I do say, like the covenant made with Abraham is an everlasting covenant. In Genesis 17, 7. I mean, God said to Abraham that he was making an everlasting covenant with him and his descendants forever. That covenant still exists as far as the Jewish people are concerned. There's not a replacement of the Jewish people with the church, they still, because of the fathers, and Paul says that again in the New Testament, they are loved on account of the fathers, the call of God is without repentance, as far as they are concerned, um, because that is, that is a wrong teaching that's going around the church today, and we have to be careful of that, and make sure we preach the truth against it, the Lord still has a plan for Israel, a plan for the Jewish people, um, they do need to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. That is also important. Paul stresses that as well. Um, Jesus is their Messiah, and he was their Messiah before he was our Messiah in, in a certain sense, because the scripture does say that that the gospel is for the Jew first and also for the Greek. We learned that a few weeks ago, Romans chapter one. For the Jew, not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for the power of God and to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek or Gentile, for the nations, for everybody else too. Um, so thank you, Lord. And of course, Genesis 12:3, "Those who bless Israel will be blessed. That promise still remains. Those who curse Israel will be cursed." So with God there is judgment and there is mercy. Um, in James 2:13, it says that uh, mercy triumphs over judgment. So we thank God for His mercy in all these things, even in his chastising of us, it's his mercy, <laughs> it's keeping us on track, it's bringing us back, it's drawing us to him. So in summary, a shalom heart is a wholehearted heart and overcomes in trial. First John five twenty one says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Jeremiah forty-five one through five talks about Baruch and understanding our calling and God's mission in the earth, and not just in our own little lives. There is amazing fulfillment of prophecy in our days. Romans eleven eleven. How much more their fullness will bring. Speaking of Israel, we're seeing we're seeing Israel restored before our eyes, physically and spiritually. Jeremiah 31:20 says though I spoke against him in speaking of Israel though I spoke against him this is the heart of God I will surely have mercy on him says the Lord That was the heart of God even in the midst of bringing that judgment upon them He will have mercy that was the point of the judgment And so we are called to serve the Lord without holding anything back no matter how much the shakeable things shake with wholeheartedness toward God and his purposes. We will ride the wave of God's spirit and see great and mighty things. And one thing I had written about uh, Emma and the meaning of her name and how all this kind of ties in. Let me see. Where is it? (coughs) So basically... For some, there is no room in the inn for God. So we're basically denying God to take up residency in our own temple. But God will choose to dwell in those, or God will dwell in those by his promise, in those who receive Jesus and attain wholeness by the friendship with God that comes by grace. The meaning of Ruth also we know is friend or companion. And that's Emma's middle name, Emma Ruth. Um, And I didn't choose, we didn't choose that name knowing all this was going to take place. That was, it was more of my wife's choice, and I agreed to it because I liked those names. Ruth was my wife's great-grandmother, and Emma, we just liked that name. Of course, we did research the meanings because we didn't want to name her something that was going to be weird or uh, not godly or something. So, but Emma Ruth meaning whole, wholeness, shalom, and friendship. You know, God calls us friends. In the new covenant, uh, we are called friends in Jesus Christ. And we have that wholeness of spirit, that wholeness of life that comes in him and in him alone. It's part of that friendship of God. And it comes by his grace. It comes by the new covenant. It comes by Jesus. So I think I'm just going to close here and If anybody had anything they wanted to share or anything, that's cool too. Um, Otherwise, I'll just close in prayer and um, we'll ask the Lord to seal his word in our hearts. Did anybody have anything? We'll just close. Do you have some? Did you take them, <laughs> So everybody else can hear. When
1: I do. It's a video, and when you started speaking about the Jews coming in and everything, the Lord gave me a word about them coming in, and it was like when you said that, it just like share the video, share the video. <laughs> I'm like no, I don't know. and then you you said twice do you have anything to share. I'm like okay, <laughs> so I'll try to get it up, but right after covid started i would i was doing friday night groups in my home and so there were several friday nights that nobody was there mostly due to covid but we would do something anyways and and the lord gave me this video and showed me this video and it's uh the joy and the celebration that's on it, it's just it's amazing and it prophetically speaks about the Jews coming in, and the symphony that God is orchestrating right now in the earth. So let me, uh,
0: amen. <laughs> let me get this up on up? the. Yeah. Does anybody else have anything to share while she's getting that ready? If not, what we can do is let's let's pray as she's getting that ready, and um, and then we'll watch it. So Father, we thank you, Lord. We just acknowledge you, Lord. We thank you for who you are, God. We just, all this is for learning how to come to know you better, love you more, Lord. We want it to be for you. We want it to be for your glory, Lord. We want our lives to be pure temples of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And we thank you that you've, you've cleansed our temples by the blood of Christ, that we stand cleansed. We stand here now in Jesus right with God, the righteousness of God. You are the Lord, our righteousness, and you declare over us as you declared over Jerusalem that in the fulfillment of that prophecy, we would be the Lord, our righteousness. We, would, we have your righteousness as our righteousness because of Jesus. So we thank you for that covenant fulfillment, and we thank you for, for helping us to walk this out, Lord, through whatever may come. Um, through the blessing, through the trial, through whatever comes. We, we know that we are called for such a time as this. We know that we are born. We know you in this day and hour, and that you have a plan for us. We thank you for all the blessings we have in America. We thank you for all of it. We, we just We just pray that you would help us to do what you want us to do, and we endeavor, Lord, as you help us to have our treasure in heaven, and our treasure in you, and to find that joy that comes in serving you and that peace that comes in wholeheartedly doing what you want us to do and uh, enjoying that relationship that you've purchased with us with your own blood, Jesus. And we thank you for that, Lord. Help us to prize you above all and live for your glory. And we thank you for bringing in your people Israel. The scripture says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem right now. And the peace of the Jewish people and all of Israel. We speak blessing upon them in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus our Messiah. Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you that through them you have given us your word, that Jesus, you are Jewish, (laughs) that you came by that vehicle that you purposed from the very beginning to save all of humanity. And we thank you for that, the plan of salvation and we just pray that you would help us as a nation to continue to support Israel. We pray for President Trump, that he would do right by Israel and continue to do right by Israel. We thank you for what he's done for Israel, how uh, he's put the embassy in Jerusalem and all of that, and we just pray that you'd have your way uh, in him and through him. We pray that you'd have your way in and through the elections. We thank you for, um, for who you are and all that you're doing, and we just pray that you would get us home safe tonight. We thank you for uh, all of your all of your goodness, your word for for protecting and healing our families, for bringing them into the kingdom if they do not know you, and for helping us to be salt and light wherever we are and to help you in that cause in Jesus name. Amen. How much more their fullness. <laughs> Amen. That reminded me of, I want to say two things in relation to that. Um, Really, it's important to pray for a heart of love for the Jewish people. Just ask the Lord um, for that, um, because there's a lot of anti-Semitism. So it's spiritual, so we have to be on guard against that. But we also are called to love the Jewish people, And um, so that's something that we need to ask God for. I mean, um, the other thing was um, I got a a chance, by the grace of God, uh, back in 2004 and in 2005 to go to Israel. And I was spoiled because I went two years in a row. (laughs) Um, So, and it was awesome. It was an awesome experience. And that reminded me of one night in the old city of Jerusalem. And it's just is amazing. If you want to go and you haven't gone, um, seek the Lord about it and ask him because that's what somebody told me to do. And I did it. And it went two years in a row. (laughs) And then I wanted to go a third year in a row. And then I realized money's not coming in. I should probably give what I have saved to somebody else so they can go and not be selfish about it. So, um, but yeah, the Lord will make a way and protect you while you're there. And, um, but yeah, we, were, we got the chance to go out. I was 18, 19 at the time and got a chance to go into the old city of Jerusalem at night. And it was uh, during the time of the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, I believe. And so as a feast day, as a happy day for the, for the Jewish people, uh, there were a lot of yeshiva students or college students. Um, in the streets, and they were all dancing and doing their traditional dances and stuff. And so we went, and then we started dancing with them. They let us dance with them, and then they're like, oh, wait, the girls can't dance with the guys. They have to go over there. <laughs> so we had to split up. Um, but it was just fun. It was a time of joy. Um, got a few pictures of that, but um, it's there's joy happening in the land. there. There's a restoration that's taking place right before our eyes. And so may we be those who... Uh, steward God's call to bless Israel, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to do what we need to do to protect them, to see them blessed, to see God's purposes fulfilled in the land, and not some man-made function of peace that hasn't worked, that will never work, because the land was promised to them by God in Scripture, and um, it's the only way it's going to be good. Um, all right. Well, yeah. <laughs> tell everybody. everybody needs to go. Everybody needs to go. Needs to go. Needs to go. So <laughs> yeah.
1: It's amazing to me. Yes. Amen. So, I'm so glad Jesus offered yes, salvation to them. the Lord about them. going to
0: Israel. Amen. But after <laughs> uh, he
1: offered it to them, they rejected it. He gave it, offered it to us. And now we have broken them to jealousy so they can come <laughs> unto the Lord. Isn't he awesome?
0: Yes. Amen. 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 I was just thinking too and, and and Neil Blake mentions this all the time too is mm-hmm. pray for the Arabs because we can see a shift all over the world. you know them make I believe with them making peace with Israel Lord's going to bless them in that covenant and you're going to see Muslims come in you know yes and uh, I, so yeah God is this is exciting time what God is doing Yeah, yeah a lot of the Muslims are having yeah, dreams of Jesus. Nobody's witnessing to them. They're having dreams of Jesus, and they're getting saved. And it's just like, go God. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Amen. Well, love you all. Have a good night. Praise the Lord. (laughs) That is good.